Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, it's Anna David here with After Party Pod, the podcast all about addiction, recovery, all that falls in between. And yeah, so so I'd like to introduce you, uh, well, if you've never listened before, thank you. I'd like to introduce myself. I just did. If you have listened before, I will be honest and tell you that based on a recent iTunes review, I have made an effort, I'm going to be honest, the review is harsh, but I was thinking it's the harshest lessons that we learn the most from, and I don't believe that the reviewer was wrong, but because uh, I noticed when I listen to this podcast that I do a lot of right and ums, and so I was very conscious of not doing that during the interview you're about to listen to. Maybe you're, you know... a, a let's just say a cool person and you're you were never judging me for that um good you may not notice the difference I think I will when I listen back but um I just did it see it's about progress not perfection as they say but I I think that I, I think that we're always trying to improve ourselves and I'm I am looking for feedback if it comes in the form of a two star review written by somebody who when I clicked on her name, I'm always convinced it's a her, I don't, and I'm not sure. Aunt Freud, what does that mean about me? But it, she'd given a number of two-star reviews to a number of people and things, and sometimes, sometimes they say that if you feel the same way about a bunch of different things or people, maybe, you know, when there's a finger pointing forward, there's three pointing back, I don't know. She mentioned my quote-unquote vocal vocal ability, which seemed, I don't know, I get paid to speak, so I don't know how bad my vocal ability is. Anyway, you can see I took this to heart, um, but I also took it as constructive criticism, and it did make me have to be far more conscious during the interview you're about to listen to, but maybe that was good. I don't know. I still really enjoyed having it. Um, this conversation. It is with, I will finally get to why you maybe downloaded this. It is with John Heffron, an extremely funny guy. We were serious in this, but he is an extremely funny guy. And we know this because he won Last Comic Standing. Yeah, when it was a super popular game, he won it. Um, he he then appeared on the next, uh, he, he won the second season. Then he next appeared on the third season and uh, was a runner-up. And he's done a ton of stuff. He, uh, he's been on I Love the 70s. I'm just looking at a bio, but he's been on The Tonight Show. He's been on 
Craig Kilborn, remember him? He's been on Chelsea lately. He's been on, uh, like, all that stuff. And what we get into is he also created a card game that was very successful. The things you learn about people when you have them on a podcast. And we talked about his, uh, we're not going to call it alcoholism. We get into a long conversation about what is alcoholism? He, he's not one for, you're an alcoholic for life. He may not be an alcoholic. He did go to program. He has not had a drink in over eight years. He believes his life is much better as a result of it. He has a lot of self-help in his background. Uh, he explains it all. I learned a lot. Neuro-linguistic programming, which I can barely say, although I have written it in a sentence. Some rehabs offer it. It was really interesting. He explains how that works. Um, he talks about his career. He talks about what got him to, when was he drinking the most and why? And, uh, oh, this, this amazing story. I don't want to ruin it for you, but it has to do with being maybe six months sober and buying this shot. And it's, it's dramatic. It's great. It's a little laughter in this, a little tears possibly. It's some good stuff, and um, who knows, he and I may share an assistant and work on a card game together. That all came up in this episode, so I hope you love it. Uh, this is John Heffron. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris hilton I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? this right now so we sat at a table together in the red eye like I was in the leg chair yes and who was our third person I have no idea it was uh who's that guy that um uh he, he used to be on like a lot of 80s sitcoms Thomas I remember that guy on it I have he no has a, like a morning show you know he was, he was on like not Rhoda not he was I have no idea Oh, it's going to kill me. I'll, I'll think of it later. Now it's all coming back to me. Not him. Not him. But, but it was about um, seven or eight years ago. Yes. So, I mean, it was a long time. And when you do a lot of panel shows, then, you know, you come across a lot of people. So I, I had to sort of you. brown out Red Eye just because um, I have no business being on television talking about politics. Literally no business. Yeah, I wonder. I, I think, well, either do I. So uh, back then... Which was a couple years. I mean, like you said, seventy. Maybe they weren't so that the, the guy who hosts that. Right. I don't remember him being as political as he is now. Well, but like that's the hook. Guys like that, they go, "Where's our money? If we ever just talk normal and don't say crazy shit, then we're gonna get fired because we have to do this because you know what I mean." Well, I know Greg. Yeah. And he's always been hyper political. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the show, but but maybe they, they switched it. You know. Well, I don't. I I started doing. I lived in New York, and I started doing it, and um, just because I have that that unfortunate thing, right? I can't feel like I can't say no because the opportunity will never come up again. Right. So I would do it, and always. Feels super uncomfortable. That being said, Greg, if you're listening, I'd love to come back anytime. Yeah, exactly. But so I did it so much and always sort of felt stupid. 
because I have no business talking about politics anywhere, yeah. anywhere, even in private conversation. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm too wishy-washy. Like I can go. Here's what I, you know. I, the only thing I don't understand about politics is when people go, "I'm a Dem or I'm a Republican." Um, it, all to me, they both want the same thing. Really? And it seems very like you're easily manipulated if you call allegiance to one because the other one knows how to control you by saying stuff that gets you mad. And I'm very big on nobody controlling me. It, that's interesting. I, 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 again, here I am talking about politics when I have no business talking yeah, about politics. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I don't know if I, I do know that there are stand, there are things I believe that my more liberal friends. And all of my friends are my more liberal friends. Do not agree with right, but it, it's mostly ignorance that makes me think I shouldn't be talking about it. Um, but anyway, okay, so we met in New York doing that show, right. um, which I had to brown out a little bit, right. and um, and then we communicated over Twitter about your book. Yes, let's talk about your book for a minute. Uh, my book, I come to you from the future. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a book I wrote with a buddy of mine, Topher Morrison. Um, Who thanks to you, I met. Oh yeah, yeah. He's great. Yes. I met Topher. Topher's like this. I don't even know how to describe him. He does. Uh, he used to be really into self-help. Mm -hmm. uh, he was one of those guys back when that whole genre of entertainment uh, was popular. Isn't it still? Yeah. But it, yeah, but he calls himself like a, a, a recovering self-help addict. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people that are into self-help mm -hmm. that actually just go from like seminar to seminar to seminar, but never apply anything that they're learning. And then those guys that run those self-help seminars are really good at anchoring feelings throughout the seminar to go, you know what, here you're learning a lot of stuff, but my next program, that's going to be the thing that's going to lock you in. And they start doing that. And then you just, you, you, you're always trying to fill that void you know, in your gut, and then you go, here's another $1,500 seminar guy, mm -hmm. and it never, and then they they leave, and your life is still exactly where it was, but now you're 1500 bucks shorter. That's so interesting. But Topher was never one of those guys, but he taught, like, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which I, I'm actually a fan of. Mm -hmm. um, Talk of, what is that exactly? It's just about, it, it's, and I guess we'll get into this a, a little bit further, uh, uh, on your show it, it's basically just the words you choose to use really kind of create your reality mm -hmm. so it, it's um, so I'm, I'm really like for the last I don't know five or six years you know how I talk or, or how I'm describing my life I really choose those words correctly because you know because when you hear something or somebody says something to you you kind of create images in your head or you know some people you know play movies some people see just, you know, a single picture, and that's a lot of times when you play out scenarios, that will then determine how that reality is. So he used to teach all that, hypnosis, and then he got into uh, corporate speaker training, mm -hmm. where that's how I met him. Mm -hmm. I went to one of his, his uh, he had a two-week seminar just on speaker's skills, and I, I've done stand-up comedy for 23 years. Um, so a lot of people are like, why would you need to go to do a speaker thing? Because um, there's a lot, of, you know, I'm a big believer in just constantly trying to add more arsenals to my bandolier of how to deal with 
you know, a scenario. So that's smart. Uh, yeah. So after meeting him, we ended up bonding super cool. And I've done a, a lot of stuff in my act where I look at young guys and I tell them, here's what's going to happen to you. We're all on the same straight line. You just grow into it. Like, so if you're in your early 20s, it, you know, you start to forward think going, man, once I get out of college and I get r- rid of my roommates and I have my own place, then my life's going to be bah. Mm-hmm. And then once I, which at that age, you don't realize at every new stage of your life, there's a shit ton of new problems nobody tells you about. Right. So you, you're never clear. You're always stepping in shit. Right. You're always, no matter where you are, no matter if you're like, man, if I would just make a hundred thousand dollars a year, then eh, now you make a hundred thousand. There's a whole bunch of shit you're gonna step in once you make that much money. So right. there's never, you know, it, there's never a thing. If you're broke at thirty thousand, you're gonna be broke at two hundred fifty thousand. Right. Because because you have you I'm, adjust. I'm a broke guy. Yes. If right. You, you just start changing the portion. Right. So. I wrote a book just about where I give advice to, it, it's obviously I'm a dude, so it's kind of dude languagey, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's for anybody that age, where I explain to them some of the stuff that, that happened to me, and it's probably going to happen to them, and here's some choices to get out of it. And the book bounces from just being funny, just, you know, random, just funny stuff from my act, to then the very next chapter would be about me losing my mom and that whole story mm. and then the next chapter would be funny again mm-hmm. and then the next is actual business how to negotiate so it's very right. so it's very sporadic make um, them laugh make them cry make them learn that's what well, it was it, with that book uh, I come to your future on Amazon uh, it, I wrote it when I was on uh, every flight I was on that's the only time that I worked on it because mm-hmm. I fly you know four times a week probably Jesus. so I'm probably in the air 10-15 hours a week and so you don't buy the Wi-Fi. You just concentrate. No, I buy the Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah but, <laughs> so every time I was on the flight, though, then that's when I would, you know, work on it. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting. At first, I would do a couple things differently with the book. I self-published it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even do a press release. I, I didn't do, I didn't launch the book correctly. Right. Did, did, you, did you try to sell it sort of at your shows? I saw it at my shows. I saw a lot of them at my shows. So it's a printed book. It's not just online. Yeah, you can get a physical copy. I just create space on Amazon, mm-hmm. and then I have the Kindle version. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get a physical copy. You must sell a lot at your shows. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. And then Topher put in all his seminars that he used to do mm-hmm. that you're on DVD. We, we set some links up. So in the book, there's a page that lets you know, and you get like 10 hours of almost like... Uh, self-improvement type lecture but it's really good in it's really really cool info not cheesy like right i'm gonna show you how to firewalk like i don't understand that because <laughs> never once in life like if you have a job interview are they gonna have you firewalk to your job interview isn't yeah. it metaphoric yeah but i don't i would like practical yes i'm the same way stuff like you know show me how to control and i think i talk about this in the book like show me how to control my nerves before i walk in you know, me going, yeah, I firewalked once. I'm still going to have nerves that day. <laughs> you know, it's, that doesn't mean that all my nerves go away. So, like, what do I do to kind of calm myself down and, and not, you know, mm-hmm. get me talking crazy when I walk in there? So, how much do you think anxiety and neuro-linguistic programming has to do with addiction and, um, you know, being an addict and all of those things? Yeah, you know what? I, I think for me... Um, it's literally 
like about the words that you stay in your head during that whole process. Um, and I guess to back up a little or to jump to that. Um, to come to us from the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sober for almost nine years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about how your language really dictates your thing. So I, I went to I went to AA. In my, it's weird because I have internal conflicts with this. My uh, low point was pretty high compared to everybody else. You know mm-hmm. that you were here. It was like I had no crazy. I set buildings on fire. I tried to kill anybody. I robbed. I had none of those stories. Mm-hmm. During the time that I think I, I, I was spinning a, a little out of control was my mom was dying. Mm-hmm. My mom was dying and I won Last Comic Standing. Right. So all in the same year, like I had kind of fame, money, you know, not that that thing, and then mom. So I like, and I had skills to, I had zero skills to deal with both. So, Zero. so yeah, so pain <laughs> and um, and then sort of dreams coming true, and then not knowing if I'm good enough to then ha- you know right. like all this like pressure and blah blah blah. And, hey, John, you want a TV show? Like so, so there was a, a time period there. Where I, I was I would drink a lot. Like I would just be like I don't know what to like crazy amounts. But I was never a big drinker leading up to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was in college and in you and stuff like that. But I was also. But I was never a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you did it every weekend. But then, you know, then the math could come in. Well, did you do it every weekend because you had a problem or because everybody that age does it every weekend? It's, uh, it's Do hate. weekends ever get longer for you? My weekend started to be sort of Wednesday through Sunday. Oh, yeah, definitely. Point, you, know. you know, definitely. I would go out, I think, you know, every night, you know, meet somebody and stuff like that. But not, not get crazy boozed up. Mm-hmm. But you'd have a few. But when my mom was passing away, that's when it, when I noticed it was it was a huge thing. So then I I go, I think I had one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I gotta. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like I was just you know, like wait. So uh, I met another comic, and she said, hey, you should you know, I'll save a seat for you. We'll go to this meeting. It's it's no pressure. Just go. And and. I went, and that was the thing I needed to kind of put a period to just, you know, to put a scratch in the record. Mm -hmm. So the record wasn't constantly playing the same. That's what I needed is that one little scratch. And then from there, went through the program, went to, like, a lot of meetings like everybody did. In In L.A.? or Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then... Then I got into NLP, and then I started just reading on, you know, everything. I think I read, like, there's a book, uh, I forgot the title, but it was, like, Buddha's 12 Steps or or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a really cool book. But then I had a little bit of a mind tweak where, okay, so after this process, after maybe the first couple months, maybe, Mm -hmm. I never even thought, like, like, I never even thought about drinking. Like it wasn't. I get that. So, so I, I hearing other people's stories, I got lucky because, like, my body physically, you know, like I, you know, I wasn't like, like, didn't have to go through anything. No withdrawals or that. Yeah, kind I of think thing. It, you know, like, there's a, that first couple months because if you just, it's just breaking that habit. But I never really thought about like boozing and stuff like that. And I'm a stand-up comic, so every night. I'm in a scenario where everybody's drinking. So it wasn't like... So what do you think that's about? You think it was just making a decision or do you think that was a sort of spiritual 
moment that removed the desire? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's one of those things where, and, and I might be fast-forwarding it too far from me figuring this out, where every time, let's say I wanted, wanted a drink, um, I would just ask myself, why do I want it? Mm-hmm. And then the if the answer was well I'm bored uh, or I'm uh, I'm nervous or or I want to do this and I don't have the courage I I would go those are lame excuses because mm-hmm. I eventually figured out that that you know if I'm in a scenario where I don't want to be in that I would need booze to handle it I leave that scenario and so you were never tempted in a club or- I bet you I, out of you know eight years almost nine. I bet you there were like two times, mm-hmm. like, it, and they weren't even big. They were just like, and it was strictly out of boredom. Both times weren't because I was, you know, it was strictly out of boredom. So I would I would go to the meetings, but but then I started noticing, and uh, and by the way, I'll preface this by saying I have zero case studies that this works on anybody else mm-hmm. but me. Mm-hmm. So I just want to lay, I want to lay that down. You don't, don't do this at home. Y- yes. I want to say any, any advice I'm getting is me talking back mm-hmm. to myself and mm-hmm. not necessarily to you listening. Right. I do not want that responsibility. This, this worked for me and that's the only person. That you know of. Because I've never done any studies to, yes. <laughs> to test this approach. I want to yes. make that. So, but what I notice is I start going to, you know, go to a lot of meetings. Is the only time I ever thought of or even had the word booze in my head. Was that a meeting? Was after I left a meeting. That's so interesting. It was the only, like, like so I would go, you know, let's say I was traveling and I wouldn't go every day. Like, once I went through all my steps and stuff like that. But oh, so you did do the steps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah. I did, everything. I did all my homework. Okay. Yeah. Just once? Yeah, yeah, just, just once. But then, I, I then, I, you know, I got into NLP and I started just reading just everything. And then, uh, you know, I, I replaced, you know, drinking, like, on the, when I was on the road, I, I think... Um, I would start working on my act or like I said a lot of it if I was just out of boredom I would just leave mm-hmm. you know there's nothing did you so the the desire to drink went away immediately when you went to um, program or was it after doing the steps or did that not even make a it difference was all, it, 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 each step I did and each meeting I went it helped me push all of that further and further away mm-hmm. I think it was a great thing to do to just literally, if your life's in crazy, crazy chaos, mm-hmm. you can just step away from that crazy chaos and take a breath and just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. be in there and, and you kind of just get into it. So do you, do you think maybe you're just not an alcoholic? That's, well, that's my, see, here's, here's my dilemma. Mm-hmm. Here, this is a struggle. So I went through that process mm-hmm. and then for however, you know, how long I was going, every day you'd stand up and go, I'm an alcoholic, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. Then I was having those internal struggles, mm-hmm. like so. And not that I'm crazy NLP guy, but there are some moments because, like, I, I think in any type of self helpy thing, there's a borderline religious culty thing mm-hmm. that you have to be careful that you don't dive too much in. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer. I take the greatest hits from every religion, every self help thing, every. Kids cartoon, Disney thing with a message. I take the greatest hits and try to ball it all up into one. How can I be the coolest person ever? Right. And be happy and, and do this and do that. So you're going to start your own religion. I'm going to start my own religion. But I'm too lazy to start my own religion. <laughs> definitely. So um, so I would say that. But then I, 
I start going, it's weird if you give yourself a label, right? Because mm-hmm. if you say, if I tell somebody, you know, hey, do you want to have a drink? And I say, no, I don't drink. Then they'll say, uh, you know, this happens all the time. Are you an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. So let's say I say yes, okay? So let's say I haven't drank in, in nine years. Mm-hmm. And I say that, I get all the stigma, all their preconceived notions or whatever of being, mm-hmm. you know, of being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't, I haven't drank in, in nine years. Right. You still... Mm-hmm. So then I changed the phrasing in my head, and once again, this has worked for me. I, I can't say it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. But I just re- started referring myself as a non-drinker. Fair enough. That, that mean, but that, there's a different definition there. For sure. Well, but don't, aren't people more confused by that than they Here's what I usually other? say. I usually go, I'm, I'm not a non-drinker. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, is there a thing? And they go, well, why don't you drink? Because I found this. That if you're in a scenario where everyone's boozing and you're not the guy boozing, a lot of that is thrown on them because mm-hmm. they want to continue to drink. And they're and they, they think they're you're judging them. And yeah, and you they need you to be going down the rabbit hole with them. And then when you're like, I don't so I usually go, I don't drink because I'm not afraid of anything. It's usually that could not go over well. That no. no, and then that turns into a thing that turns into a conversation that mm-hmm. nobody wants to have, mm-hmm. and then they just think of a tool mm-hmm. and they walk away. But so, would you rather be judged for being an alcoholic than be considered a tool? No, not because if if I look at you know somebody and they go, "Hey, want a drink?" and I go, "No, I, I don't drink," and they go, "Come on, have another drink." No, dude, I don't drink. Come on, what's what? At that point, I, I lose my respect for that person because mm-hmm. if I told you, "Hey, um, you know, here." eat the steak and you were like I'm a vegetarian mm-hmm. and I go come on just put that, that, then I'm kind of a dick well but that's the thing is you can definitely silence people with I'm an alcoholic because they sort of they, they understand that that is not cool to pressure somebody who's a self-declared alcoholic yeah well I mean th- and this is where my struggle is and I, I, I'm sure a lot of people have this struggle yes. just that I, when you say that like so some people listening would go see typical alcoholic not admitting he's an alcoholic right I mean that's it no but, but look at it this way were you in um, you were in 7th grade right I was once yes okay do you refer to yourself as a 7th grader I don't. I don't remember. I doubt it. Right, but I mean, but there was a time when you acted like a seventh grader. Right. So you, then, and, when I was an eighth grader, I were, didn't do that. Anymore. And you were labeled, so you don't refer. So I'm kind of on the thing that you're allowed to be something mm-hmm. in, in the thing, and then you, like everything in life, is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. You shed that skin. Mm-hmm. But do you still refer to yourself as that if you're no longer that person? That's um again. That's my internal structure. I don't have. An answer for that, I know statistically people who, let's say, used to smoke and then no longer smoke, you know, mm-hmm. they say they stopped smoking for, you know, years. They don't years. say I'm a smoker. They refer to themselves as smoke because they go, I'm a smoker, but I haven't smoked in... I have they, never heard somebody I, do that, ever. I read it, and if I read it, then I can't tell you where I read it. But why would that stat be in my head if well, I didn't read it somewhere? I didn't just make it But because you know everything be you read online is... Yeah, uh, no, more likely they were. Or maybe I heard it somewhere. It couldn't be true. And the only reason that I say it couldn't be true is, well, I spent for 13 years and I quit. And I even went to a program to quit right. where they say ridiculous things like, are you smober? 
they say that. Oh, wow. Uh, as my friend says, I already know I'm not cool. I don't need to start saying right. I'm smoker. Um, but but I've never, ever heard someone. I'm, I mean, I'm around ex-smokers all the time. All right, I could have. Yeah, you heard that somewhere. Oh, so you never so, smoked? Oh, no. I think maybe in my life I've smoked less than a pack of cigarettes wow. total. I'm 44, so yeah. a decent average. Yeah. I think there was a moment or two probably... You know, drunk. The, yeah, I was, or, yeah, twenty, yeah. and the girl I wanted to hook up with smokes, and she went outside, and I'm like, right. I'll go up with you, right? Make sure another guy. Must have been a terrible in. smoker. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coughing I, and stuff, yeah, not inhaling. I don't even think I inhaled. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, so I would refer myself as a, you know, a non-drinker, and then maybe three years or t- no, no, it was, it was sooner than that. Um, my wife got a job working at Diageo. Um, it's the the rep like tequila mm-hmm. they're, they're one of the biggest booze companies mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the thing and uh, so she would run all these events all around Los Angeles where they give out free shots and blah 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 she was like you know any bar you see girls handing out shots uh, she was in charge of booking mm-hmm. that getting the girls here's give out these keychains so there was a point where we had two jeeps in our driveway that were completely um, black, like painted with tequila, Jose Cuervo, uh, on the jeep. <laughs> Were they filled with tequila too? A garage. You pull into the garage. There was nothing but booze and mm-hmm. booze. And it, it was funny because these jeeps. One, they were eyesores. Right. Right. So I thought my neighbors thought I was broke and needed to, you know, get, <laughs> do an ad. To do an ad. On my By the jeep. way, you get sort of. I, I somebody put a flyer on my car, which is okay. You thought my car was cool enough for this, and it was literally. I think $100 a year. I mean, it's the worst yeah, deal yeah. ever. So these Jeeps, and, and where I live, uh, up my driveway, because I live in the hill, um, there's not even room for a car to park. Like I live, So it's one of those, so this, this fucking Jeep would always be in the way. <laughs> so it, I also then started conditioning, and I used to love tequila. I used to start conditioning tequila with this pain in the ass you're in my way and I have to get out of my car on a busy road, back this into the street, do all this. NLP. I know. So I literally, I, so, so I, like I had this crazy association where I would didn't, you know, take the feeling of anger and pissed off and this is an inconvenience to my life and I would put that literally on the label mm-hmm. that was like in the way. So over time, like even now when I see like that brand, I'm like, fuck. You know, just it made my garage look like a hoarder's garage because we had to have have a lot of the swag, you know, all the dumb towels and beach balls and all that stuff was all kind of kept in our garage. Um, So because of that, I literally I've 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 tuned out that that like booze and like even exists. Mm -hmm. Like it's not even it's so like I hate pickles. I I don't think there's anything on earth I hate more than pickles. Yeah, I don't love them. If they if they put them on my plate, I, I get mad mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the pickle juice is soaking into my bread. Have you ever, I, I this is a dumb question. You never had a fried pickle? I just had one last week and and I liked it. It's not not. Okay. I would lose on fear factor mm-hmm. if the on fear factor they just put the pickles that would be on your hamburger down mm-hmm. except for $50,000 you have to eat one of those but yet you would probably would get a, something disgu- more disgusting no I, I have food phobia okay. like I cannot believe I would have a panic attack if right. you made me eat a pickle <laughs> so with with that when I go into a store pickles aren't even in my reality mm-hmm. I would never even 
so they're they're not there. So I, it's not like I go to the waiter and go. Well, I do actually say I don't want any pickles. Mm-hmm. So I guess they are. I guess I do think about them but, a lot. But that's so now preventative. It's falling apart. As, no, it's not. S- same, same thing with booze. Mm-hmm. It's not an option. Mm-hmm. Eating pickles is never an option mm-hmm. for me. So therefore, I, I don't get to, you know. I, I mean, I'm the, I think I'm the same way. I don't see it. I, I'll, I'll accidentally sort of walk down the booze aisle. And I, I do have an NLP sort of reaction of just like, oof. Um, but I don't, if, if it's around and I'm drinking, I'm around someone drinking it, I don't really have that. But again, it sort of, you know, ceases to be an option. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I do a lot of stuff where, you know, you have to, I, I think people like sometimes forget that you're allowed, you, you kind of bang on yourself when you do crappy things, you kind of mm-hmm. get on yourself, but nobody overly rewards themselves for, for you know, never wants to, do you really go, you know what? That, that was, I feel really good about saying that. Mm-hmm. It's always like, right. oh, I feel shitty. For right. You know, you never do the opposite. You never ride on yourself. So there's a, even now, if we were out and everybody's boozing, and they're like, come on, do you want a glass of wine? And I kind of see everybody with that glossy, you know, mm-hmm. eyes that, you know, you go, oh, I kind of missed that feeling. The very next day, I, when I wake up and I don't feel, I'm not hungover, I don't feel shitty. I don't have to drive back to some bar to find my credit card, mm-hmm. you know, and those things. I, I, re- I reward myself and go, I feel really good right now. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel really good? Because I didn't partake in it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think if you do that over enough time and you start anchoring that feeling of, I feel really good, then, you know, your subconscious starts to go, will, will help you make those decisions mm-hmm. because it goes, then you're, you're telling your subconscious, hey, this is how I want to feel. So make sure you're helping me make those decisions to, so I always feel this way. Mm-hmm. And then your subconscious goes, hey, thanks for the checklist. I appreciate it. Makes our life a little bit easier. <laughs> so then over time, mm-hmm. you know, those pathways in, in, your, in your brain start always pushing. Like, you know, I go in spurts of creativity and want to get things done just as a comic like mm-hmm. I gotta do this and then I should be writing this and blah 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 um, and I always go boy I, I wouldn't have time to let's say I had a crazy weekend binge partying I, I couldn't right. I, that doesn't none of that factors into the goals that I set exactly which I think is another big important thing that probably you know helped it along is, is I've always been really what do I want to accomplish and then I backwards engineer it mm-hmm. and then go, okay, at any point does, you know, blowing up my liver or sleeping for three days factor into getting this? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So then it's not, again, it's not an option. Yeah, I get that too. But it's interesting. You know, I was always very ambitious. But, and I, and I sort of thought I got stuff done. Right. But I was, I got fired from a lot of jobs. And I, you know, would sort of say, I want to write a book. And, and right. you know, but, but writing a book was something I specifically learned from program because I would say, oh, I can't write a book. And then I would realize, well, I could write three pages a day. And then eventually that would be right. a book. Right, right, But, But, yes, I mean, I think that, I think that realizing that you accomplish a lot more and that you feel a lot better is key. And I, I agree with you that this, you know, or patting ourselves on the back or whatever, it's the sort of human condition that we don't do that. I mean, I don't think that's limited to people who drank heavily and use drugs. Yeah, I do a, a technique that um, I use on stage. And what I do is, is 
it, it, it's a form. It's almost like a, I create like a speed button, mm-hmm. like a, a, on your phone, or it's a form of self hypnosis. Um, and what I do is I take. If you're looking, if you look at your palm, mm-hmm. go the Michigan palm. So go your right side. I take my, that thumb. I put it underneath. Um, you know, I, I touch my hand with it. How would you describe that? Yeah, you just touch it, right? Yeah, I don't so know. So take your thumb and just reach over to your ring finger ring, and ring put finger. it under. And it. then I close my hands mm-hmm. and then I squeeze the thumb. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that's my trigger. So what happens is uh, a lot of times when I first started doing this, I would imagine the best case scenario ever. I would I would imagine, let's say. This was always a performance scene, so on stage I would uh, imagine just a crowd, you know, standing ovation, mm-hmm. carrying me over their shoulders, mm-hmm. and I think I, you know, you can go to stuff that actually happened to you. I remember, like, when I won last comic, that feeling in, in my stomach and balloons dropping. Mm-hmm. So then, because your brain doesn't know whether something's really happening or it's imaginary. Like ever have a fake argument with somebody in your car, mm-hmm. you'll notice that, you know, by the time you stop at the stoplight, you're physically, Agitated. your body is physically mad as right. if that person is next to you right. and you're having that conversation. Right. Your heart rate's up, you're probably sweating a little and you're in, in a pissed off mood, but you completely imagine that entire thing. Mm-hmm. Or if I ask you, Hey, tell me about the lunch you had yesterday. And you told me that story. And then I go, okay, tell me about when the aliens tried to abduct you. And you just made up a story. Your, your brain, mm-hmm. except for reality filters, wouldn't know. It's, once something happens, it gets filed into the imagination banks anyway. Right. I mean, that's sort of like the saying, um, worrying is praying for things you don't want. Because there you are creating a scenario. Right. I, I thought you'd get real excited about that idea. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, well, so so I create that, you know, that happy moment. And then right when I get those feelings, right, like you're on a roller coaster and you're at the top of like, oh, this is awesome. Then I squeeze that thumb. Mm-hmm. So so I'm kind of like putting those, those feelings into the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a real bank, you can't withdraw from that until you got to put a lot in. So then what happens mm-hmm. is... I use that as a scratch in the record. So if I'm on stage and maybe I'm tired or, or I'm, you know, I just flew all day or I'm pissy or mm-hmm. the show's not going as well as I want, mm-hmm. I'll squeeze that thumb and I put enough positive thoughts into that thumb that, that even that squeeze, that'll, that'll scratch the record so my brain doesn't play out this sucks. I'm in a bad mood. It, it stops me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Caesar Milan with the dog. Mm-hmm. It's the human version of that that thing you do with the dog. Right. I haven't seen it, but I get it. Yeah, he just puts his hand, and, and when your dog's looking at a squirrel and growling, you do this little mm-hmm. to the neck, and then it snaps your dog. It takes the focus off the squirrel, mm-hmm. and then you can talk to the dog. So um, I do that when I come home, and my dogs are excited to see me. I'll squeeze the thumb, mm-hmm. you know, so I have all these, like, positive moments that I have, and then I use that thumb squeeze. That's amazing. All the time. So, like, and I also do that if I'm out, and then I, like I said, boredom will be the thing that puts me under. Mm-hmm. Like, it's usually, it's, uh, if I'm bored, and I'm like, oh, you know what, I should just, what's, what's, I'm not an alcoholic, I should have a drink. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when I'll squeeze my thumb, and then that'll zap, that'll... Does it make you unbored? 
No, then I'll leave. But but at least but at least I didn't play out the I'm bored. But let me just have a drink. Mm-hmm. Then I just have a drink. At least it never. I never let the movie run all the way to the end like that. Yeah. That's my hitting stop. On, you know, on that movie. Well, and it's, I mean, you literally can change the neural pathways, which is what you're saying. Yeah. So that it rewrites and rewires what the way your brain actually works, which I do think is a huge part of program that they don't actually get into because they don't get into the whys. Why does this work? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, an NLP approach to that was not like, why do you drink? You know? Like, Mm -hmm. you know... Uh, it, it's when like mm-hmm. when do you want to mm-hmm. it's not like so it's really not about the past like well my dad wasn't around and then mm-hmm. he was abusive and mm-hmm. then blah 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 that's like that's your that's your past story mm-hmm. but now it's about today when did when do you want to what was the stimulus mm-hmm. that made you want that drink today you know well, and I wouldn't say that and the then program how, does that either. No, but then how do you then stop? Then you figure out that stimulus, and then you find a way to rewire it so it doesn't play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that, you know, I think a misconception about program is that people think everybody comes in and talks about how they want to drink, which I, you know, I've been around for 13 and a half years. I, I've heard that, you know, a handful of times. Yeah. But we're talking about getting you know, sort of getting to a place where you just don't even want to. Yeah. It, you know, I, I think, and then with that, though, the one thing that, that I think the program was really good for was just that camaraderie, mm-hmm. just that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoyed, like, after the meeting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just, you know, the hugs and the thing, and mm-hmm. you'd see somebody that you knew was struggling last week, mm-hmm. and you had a sense of purpose especially when you saw somebody new, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you kind of got, you know, gratification from helping somebody, mm-hmm. you know, get through that. Um, I just, I performed at uh, the NA meeting in, in California. Oh, the convention. The convention. There's probably, you know, thousands of people there. And um, I'm walking around the convention. And if those of you who don't know what I look like, I look, I'm pretty clean cut. For you, sure. You know, very just, I'm from Michigan. But N.A., but you, you didn't do drugs, or did you? No, no. Okay. But I performed. Like, I knew right. somebody who was in the thing. Yeah. You should have this guy. He was... Is the, it that reco- recovery comedy little group? Yeah. So they go, you should perform at this mm-hmm. thing. So I'm walking around this hotel. Can I ask a, a terrible question? Yeah. Do they pay you for those conventions? Uh, yes. Not... Not great. Not a lot. Right. It's kind of gas and getting up there, right. and here's a hotel for you. It's right. kind of volunteer. But I did it. I mm-hmm. just wanted to... But I, but after you know I've been in every scenario ever at, as a stand up um, you know on TV doing less comic or Tonight shows or, or whatever in front of millions I've never been more afraid to walk on stage than when I was at this thing because if you see me and then you see everybody who was there you'd go who would be the polar opposite of a, you know but here's the thing we're all this we're all the same people. Right. Like it's all like so that's just me in my head going, these guys have tattoos all over their face. You know, I mean like a lot of the guys there are like third striker guys where if they don't show that they're doing this type of stuff, they're going to jail forever. And then there's guys with leather motorcycle gangs saying sober for God but you know, but they were all really, really like I was intimidated. there were women with like names and cursive under their eyes. <laughs> you know it, well, Okay, and maybe that's yeah, an NA thing. Yeah, so it, it was def- so I and I, and then I get backstage and the sound guy goes, "Hey, we've had this guy, this guy here, 
they really they like it if you're really dirty really go after them and my act is so far from going after people and being really dirty mm -hmm. so now it was literally i i text some, another comic who's in the program i go dude i'm like he's like they look intimidating, but they're going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Chill out. Mm -hmm. And then I got on stage, and, and I even forgot what I said. I go, you know what? Don't don't judge me, even though I look like the guy who put most of you in jail. And the place, <laughs> whatever. And then I had one of the greatest shows. Like, it was a thousand people that, like, if you were to go, if you know, draw a picture of somebody who would hate John the most, mm -hmm. you would draw a picture of 98% of everybody. Mm -hmm. Had a just unbelievable show, got off the stage. To, you know, I was going to run back to my room and then a thousand drive back. people wanted to shake your hand. I hugged easily 300 of, like, you know, opposite of Game me. bangers. Yeah, just like, and it had some, like, great conversations and da-da-da-da-da. And, it, you know, it was a pretty cool, you know, empowering, you know, you know, thing for me to show that, like, that's what all, like, you know, going to meetings and stuff like that actually does because it shows you that you don't have to be hung out to dry by yourself mm -hmm. because that's mm -hmm. the thing like no matter and I even say this on stage no matter what scenario is going on in your life like people tend to think that, that you know maybe because their parents said you're unique you're a special butterfly nobody's like you you tend to think your scenario is so like well no one's ever gone through what I'm going through um, Absolutely. And you go, really, dumbass, is a billion people that have gone through the same exact thing you did. And there's a billion people that have ways for you to get out of mm -hmm. that scenario. Quit thinking that you're unique. It's mm -hmm. not, well, my dad, and da da da, and then I lost. Okay, here's 8,000 guys that have, in, and yes. here's how they did it. So that's what's, what, what is cool about going to meetings is you go, oh, really, I'm not that special? Every, yes. Everybody does this? Then I maybe I should get over myself, yes. get over my ego, and you know stop doing it because that's the that's the thing. Another big thing that that really helped me is uh, I forgot where it was, but this guy was telling the story just about it's called timeline therapy, where you, you go through life. He walks you through this thing that you're like you're um, going down a dirt road, and there's a bunch of houses with mailboxes, and as you're walking, you see your 18-year-old self come to the end of the driveway and your 18-year-old self looks at you and says, hey man, uh, you know, keep going that way. That's where everything you want is. But don't take shit from everybody. Mm -hmm. And then you walk a little bit further. Then your 20-year-old self comes up and goes, hey, you're doing a great job, da-da-da. And you eventually get to this big field and the guy's doing a better job than I am. But you get to this big field where you see your the oldest you. And you're surrounded by people who love you and you see, you know, grass is full of like kids and family and, and friends and you have a beautiful house. And so the you that's older than you are right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the, you know, your future you. Mm -hmm. And then he meets you at the end of this thing and goes, listen, you have everything you want. This is your house. This is your beautiful family. This is your dogs. This is your car. There's everything. But to get here, to get back here. There's some things you need to start doing back there mm -hmm. and some things you need to stop doing. And you know exactly what they are. And then you turn around and go. But I thought, even to this day, that, you know, that phrase is, is so powerful because it's not... You don't go, have to go on a huge journey. Mm -hmm. like you don't have to read 8,000 books. Like, mm -hmm. that simple thing, 
you what do you need to start doing now mm-hmm. and what do you need to stop it's those answers will come to you like that mm-hmm. until your second voice starts you know shitting on your but your initial and so if it's i should probably stop drinking or doing drugs mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so let's check that off mm-hmm. that, that's one step closer to having this also what else do you you know mm-hmm. so that that really was you know pretty powerful I, I don't mean to keep bringing it back to how amazing the program is, but I would say that's also the purpose of the steps in finding your defects and apologizing yeah. for things that you're very resentful about or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and letting it go mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff and having to go back to, the, you know, those people, you know, that maybe shit on a little mm-hmm. kind of just square that away. Mm-hmm. At least it's closure. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no, they could still hate you. Mm-hmm. You could still have done some heinous thing. But you That's know, on them. but you already did it, so it's already done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it's now it's kind of about like putting you back together. And like mm-hmm. I said, like yeah, that's how I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. I was really shitty in seventh grade, but I'm not a seventh grader anymore. Mm-hmm. Like so, who 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 is the new person, and how do I move forward? What do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop? I think, and it's worked though. I mean, I, I think about all that stuff when I say I don't think about booze. Uh, but I still, um, every day I'm thinking about how can I, you know, what do I need to do to make sure that when I'm on the hill meeting the old John Heffron, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, he's not pissed at me. So it's sort of um, a version of Matthew McConaughey's uh, Oscar speech that actually makes sense. <laughs> do you remember that? The, um, the I'm congrats, uh, my hero is my future me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so how often do you have to do that imagining, you know, do, does, a, does a guide take you through that or do you do it to yourself? Um, no, I ask myself those questions a lot. Like, I literally... Do you do it as a visualization? You sort of sit down? I do because I'm really... Like, I've even... That particular story, it just moves me so much because I'm... Obviously, I wrote a book called I Come to You From the Future mm-hmm. and I think there's, there's something very powerful in... What would happen if you met your 18-year-old self? Mm-hmm. How pissed off would that person be mm-hmm. at what you've become? Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you, know, you make decisions. Everything in your life is decisions that you've made to get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's probably certain phases of you that would question why the you now mm-hmm. made those decisions. But that part, to me, sounds less than healthy. Because it's sort of you know trying you know not to regret the past and not to beat yourself up, you know wouldn't that sort of perpetuate doing those things? Well, I think for me, just you know, and a lot of it's kind of for fun because I love doing that scenario, like that little story I told. One, I've recorded myself doing it and just getting really deeper, and you know what I mean, cool. deeper. So I'm constantly asking you know that question, like okay, even you know this week, what do I? What do I need to start? What do I need to stop? What do, mm-hmm. you know, how did last week go for me? And what didn't I like about last week? And then da 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 da. Do you write it down so that you can remember? No, I have a lot of talks to myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like yeah, because I, like, uh, on booze or related, I had a thing where I wanted, like, going to a phase where I just, I need something to happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't even necessarily have an, uh, an answer to what that is but I remember like last week I was just like man I'm on the road 46 weeks a year da 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 but it's a means to an end because 
when you travel like that, your years go by just like mm-hmm. go like that. So I'm like, I need something to happen. Da da. And then for like a couple of days, I was bummed that uh, you know nothing was happening and stuff. And then I go, okay, well, what do I need to start doing? Okay, to make stuff. And then I, you know I start going, okay, I should probably do this. I should probably mm-hmm. boost up my podcast again. I should do this mm-hmm. and try to you know stuff like that. So well, what do I need to start doing? Is actually work. What do I need to stop doing? Bitching about not having the thing because it's all, yes. you know, it's all in your control. But not not like the secret stuff. Not mm-hmm. just I'm gonna sit here and wish for something to happen. There's actual work involved, and you have to go. What are my steps? And mm-hmm. and even if you start doing something wrong, that that's still better than not doing anything at all. So do even you- like right when I wrote my book, I was like, I didn't know how to write a book. Mm-hmm. And, stuff and I'm the worst speller and I'm the worst you know in in the history of the world but I was like I'm going to start either way I'm going to do it wrong mm-hmm. at least that'll get in then you know then I eventually found out oh I can I can hire an editor oh I can just talk into this thing and have it transcribed oh is that how you did it? yeah and then have an editor kind of make you know get rid of all my ums and ahs mm-hmm. and you know I, fi- I fi- figured it out yeah that's I mean and I do think that's the thing about so I'm not a writer writer I'm not like you know but look, um, I, I will say that, that people I, who are really, I guess, quote, are writers, the thing, you know, because I don't believe in writer's block, and you'll hear writers complain about it, and the, the, the way that I don't believe in it is, um, I'm going to throw it out anyway. So writing is rewriting. So it, I think it's perfectionism that causes people to think that they have writer's block. If you know it's going to sort of suck because first drafts kind of do, right. then you don't get stymied by that. Yeah, I've always gone, like anything I've created, I've just, um, I've just done it. And I've never, I go in phases if I cared about what people thought about. You know, mm-hmm. I just wanted to do it, but then... You know, my, my brain goes like if I start working on one project, then my brain will start thinking about another project, uh, and then sometimes that second project wouldn't have came about unless I started, you know, project one. Mm-hmm. So then I'll bail on project one. So my biggest problem is like follow through. Yes. Um. Uh. But I've also had success being kind of scatterbrained, just having, you know, like like in the early nineties, ish. Um, me and a, a buddy created this card game called the That Guy Game. It was mm-hmm. for bachelorettes. It was a game where uh, on these cards was a different type of guy you would see out at the bar. Mm-hmm. And then you pass out the cards to everybody, it, you know, in your party. And then you go out and then you try to find the real life version of the cartoon guy. So, so it's like a scavenger hunt. It was a scavenger hunt for, for guys. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, sweaty dancer guy, <laughs> use fake ID to get in guy, big mm-hmm. guts, skinny legs guy. It was just all these, mm-hmm. you know, we had caddy cards with women just puked in the bathroom chick mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So we started to create this and we, we had zero idea on how to do a card game. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't our thing. So we kind of piecemealed it together and then we were in Larchmont Village um, which is a little trendy area mm-hmm. in, in here in Los Angeles, and we went into like a boutique store, mm-hmm. and we said, "Hey, can you sell these cards? Can you just put them on?" Because you made them. We made them. Mm-hmm. Made like a thousand, mm-hmm. you know, things. I think that was the run. Like this company made you buy mm-hmm. a print a thousand. So they're like, "Sure," and then um, we came back to go. Did you sell any? She goes, "Yeah, we sold like three of them." Mm-hmm. You know, not not a profit was. Too 
we made six bucks. <laughs> um, and they go, we, we, we sold one to uh, Drew Barrymore, bought one mm -hmm. yesterday. And then for some reason, she, she ended up back in whatever magazine it was playing the game. Then, then Julia Roberts bought the game. Mm -hmm. Then Glamour Magazine did a full page spread where they had a picture of our card and then the celebrity that matched the, the card. Full pa page in, gl in, in Glamour. Then we were in, from there, we were in In Style, In Touch, and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And suddenly now we, we were like selling crazy amount of games. But this was back in the 90s where there wasn't. Like Twitter and all of that stuff. And there wasn't a lot of online fulfillment companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we were literally, we'd wake up at like 5 o'clock in the morning, get our orders because you could only buy them online. Mm -hmm. And we would sit there and we'd go to the post office with, you know, hundreds of these games. And um, then we ended up just letting that kind of peter out because we didn't know how to do the business. We got a patent on the right. scavenger hunt, game, like the way to do it. Revive it now. It would be crazy. I know, right? Like now we have one, the money to get it done right. And yes. two, we would never have to touch a game because there's eight billion companies just even on Amazon alone. Yes. Um, we do it. But that was one of those, those, those follow throughs where I just, we just came up with an idea and we just, you know, start doing it even if we were doing it wrong. How much did you make in the end? Well, we sold it as a TV show also. Um, this was all, you know, and then it disappeared as fast just because we were 20s. We were like our mid-20s. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to be a comic. I'm not a card, you know. Mm -hmm. So we had all these, we were going to do a gay version. We were going to do this and that. And just recently, he's my, my buddy I did it with, he's a huge TV producer. He's got like, you know, six or seven shows on air right now. Um, and I keep telling them, I go, dude, we just need to bring that back. We can yes. just hire somebody to do it for us. And then we just now... Or just make it a TV show now that he's the big producer. Uh, yeah, so... But that was... Yeah, I don't know how we got off. But that's fascinating. I, I had an idea for a card game in the 90s. Oh, that's funny. And mine was Match the Celebrity with the Scandal because I was working at People Magazine. Right. And I got the guy who's... One of the guys who started Wire Image was giving me the rights to all these photos. And then I just didn't know anything and I just let it peter out. But, but you're giving me a good idea. The sober version. Yeah, yeah. But I can't... I, I could steal it. I, we've got we've got witness that I'm stealing it. But let's do it. Let's co-create. Co because what I was going to say about follow through and what was interesting about that was I think a motivated partner. Because partnerships are complicated because oftentimes I found I'm the one who wants to, who does all the work and then I'm the one that gets resentful. Like starting after party, I had three people that I wanted to partner with and they were fully into it and then didn't do anything yeah that's that, that's I, I always wish that I just have a, like a little stenographer or a little mm -hmm. you know I always thought that would be a great business and I'm sure it exists no Wait, what do you mean like where you share an assistant share like you know what I mean because assistants are expensive like you know somebody who because you know yeah. but let, let's say you had somebody that would go listen we'll give you 40 hours a week of work but, we, but you split it. That's that's what it's like the office sharing we were talking about before, but so much so better. Now, now you have this one assistant that is works with three, but you're all a collective. So everybody ponies up. Do and you then, fight over when... No, you divide the time. Yeah, you probably... Be, because let's see all the ideas that I have and stuff. I don't even know how to time management. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, 
if, if somebody was my assistant, they'd be getting emails at three o'clock in the morning going, mm-hmm. I need a banner for this. Hey, can we, we, we do this? So because you'd be the nightmare in the triumvirate, basically. Yeah, because I'd be very bad at, okay, from Wednesday to, yes. my, my stuff just kind of pops in randomly. That's the thing. I'm not very good at. You do need an assistant. I'm not very good yet. That's a, another thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great idea. I, um, yeah, there's stuff that I do that I just don't do as well. I you sort of screw it up because I just don't have the time yeah. to, you know, good thing too is inter- I have two amazing interns, but they also write for the site so they get paid. Right. They got gotcha. a good deal. Um, but it was crazy when I put the ad out for interns. I'm telling. I got 200 applicants on Craigslist. Wow! And it's just a sad statement about you know the economy and right, what college right. graduates have to deal with. Right. You know, I thought it was bad when I, I graduated. Think about that. Yeah, but you also get what you pay for. The fact that I am paying my interns means I got the best. Right. My intern went to Harvard and Yale. Right. Grad wow. school. That's yeah. Huge. Yeah, I know. She's a billion times smarter than I am. Right. Right. But um. But. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. And and it's true. I mean, like in sobriety or whatever, you can do anything. You really can do these things. I mean, not to say you need to be sober to do anything. Right. But it, it, it's it's amazing. I, I, I realized the biggest thing was after I, I stopped doing how much I didn't have to tip out the bartenders at the end of the week. Because I'm at a comedy club Wednesday through Sunday. You know, and if you're going up to the bar after every show and then, hey, I'll buy drinks for the opening act because mm-hmm. he broke. Mm-hmm. And then you think before you know it, like even that alone, I was like, dang, look at all the money. And just being able to wake up in the morning and not hung over, like mm-hmm. just the cost, it's the, you know, the cost versus rewards thing. And now I've just got it that that, well, I, I had a moment like where here's a, another thing where once I, I, I sealed up the seal that I kind of really closed a lot of the doors on on a decision where there there used to be a bar where I would go, well, it's a bar restaurant Mm -hmm. um, in Michigan uh, called Genopolis. It was a really, it's where all the Pistons hung out, a lot Mm -hmm. of mafia guys hung out there. It was like, and so I was like 10, 11, 12, we'd go eat there, and my mom hung out there. There was a a booze that was up in this glass case. You needed a key to get into it. I think it was like Glyna Fittich or, or mm-hmm. something. One of those like $150, mm-hmm. $200 shot boozes. And I'd always sit there with my mom and I would stare up at that thing because it just it was in this awesome case and it was the glass that just looked. And I'd see these like mafia guys like order it and these guys had huge watches and ring mm-hmm. like you know you're you're 12 going oh man when i'm when i'm their age this is totally how i'm gonna you were in a, this bar at 12 oh it was a restaurant too. it was like a restaurant mm-hmm. it was like a high-end mm-hmm. you know like ruth chris let's say right you right. know one of those type places where everybody was in suits ruth's chris yeah right yeah. so i would look at that and i and i remember asking my mom um what is that up there and she goes oh that's for really special really special occasions like mm-hmm. usually if, if somebody's birthday or if somebody dies everybody comes in and they have a thing but it's you know that's for big things so I go and every time you know over the years you know I would eat at this restaurant I think we even had like homecoming dance mm-hmm. dinner there mm-hmm. where we took the dates out and I would see the thing so then before my mom passed away I stopped drinking I, I don't know the math on, on it let's say eight months in or, or so or mm-hmm. 
it doesn't matter. So I go, I go to this restaurant. Now, I think two days after we buried my mom or something like that, and I'm sitting there because I just wanted to sit in the same booth that we always ate at because this restaurant, you know, um, meant a lot to me. And I, looked, I was staring up at that thing. I was staring up at that thing. And I go, fuck, you know what? Who gives a shit? This is a special occasion. Da, 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 da. And then I go, I'll take a shot of that. Mm-hmm. I, now keep in mind, I've been staring at this thing for since I was 12. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. So the bartender puts the thing, and, and I stared at that shot easily an hour. Easily. I sat there, and I would like I would hold it, and then I would set it down. And then i back away. And then my stomach would get knots, and then I'd grab it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like you're trying to, like, bungee jump or something. You're like, mm-hmm. And then I, I had every conversation in my head was... Okay, just just have the do the shot, and then go back to our meeting tomorrow and start over. Right. So who cares? I, I see that happen a trillion times. Right. Right. Then the guy came, sat next to me. Uh, older dude knew my mom. We started having that conversation. He was telling some funny stories about about my mom at the bar. Blah, 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 and I took that and I slid it over to him, and I go, "That's on me." And, and stuff. He was like, "Oh, what is this?" I go, "So there." I kind of told him the story. I told him why I wasn't, and he and he slammed it. And he goes, he goes, "Yeah, I don't know if it's worth two hundred Like he said something kind of funny. But after that moment, I kind of challenged myself, going, "Okay, if I said no to it under a scenario that anybody would have probably maybe given me a free pass, going, yes. yeah, we right, you would have. I mean, free pass, but." I mean, you still would have had to start over, but justified. But justified. And that was the one that then, now any other scenario, given that to me, it it so can't come close to the weight of that, that that's why that even makes me go, nah, no. More. Billion times. More NLP. Yeah, billion times. Like, if I wasn't going to do it then, why would I do it just because I'm in Toledo, Ohio? And bored. And bored. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's amazing. Um, so I don't know if that ended up helping. I don't know if that thing, you know, like you'd like to put, like, make it romantic and go, well, that was that was the thing. And you know, if your, your life mom, was a movie, which it still could be, because <laughs> with all this, what's going to happen in the future? Right. That would be a big. That was maybe my mom going, man, nah, 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 let me do this, yeah. and now uh, it's a thing, and you know. That's great. That's really the story was the whole time saying that this is a thing to celebrate, blah, blah, blah. Maybe that was all pushed in the direction to to stop something. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. now I'm reaching for a plot point. No, uh, but, but I think I think you're right. <laughs> I there. think that that's true. So, and so we didn't even get into Last Comic Standing. Just, should we just get into that? Sure. So, so you you were in it twice and you won the I second won time? I won Last Comic, yeah, season two. Um, and then they made us do a season three because the show was pretty popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to do season three, but they, they kind of made me. Um, so, you know. Then the money was probably decent. No, it wasn't. At the time, it was... Uh, at scale, you know, it was all because it fell into that reality world. So it was all, you know, scaled. And, and your career radically changed as a result yeah, of that? Yeah, our last comic, I believe, our season won an Emmy, and I think we had like 12, 13 million viewers mm-hmm. during that time, like the current last comic. Um, funny people on there, but I think that that's at a million. It's on right now? Yeah. Okay, well. Yeah, it's like a million, mm-hmm. you know, so it was like, so when we were on, I was, I was on just during that sweet spot when like yes. everybody watched it. 
Um, and you know that was the thing. I think I did like a Tonight Show, or uh, you know, I had a half hour special prior to Last mm-hmm. Comic, but Last Comic was definitely the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and now you just need a new thing. Like that's the thing. That's the problem with I'll be happy when I make a hundred thousand dollars. I'll because as soon as you know, I I used to lament that my books weren't bestsellers, and then I met a lot of writers who had bestselling books, and all the world wanted them to do was do it again, and they had to live in the shadow of their biggest success being behind them. Yeah, like I refer to it as you know, last comic was the biggest TV I've done. I've, I've had a bunch. Oh God, I keep hitting my knee. I've had a bunch of deals. Where like we've had you know we've worked on pilots and stuff, yes. but but so you, I mean, even getting that is a huge accomplishment. But then there's so many different levels. But then they get that pilot then picked up is a whole nother. So I've come close a couple times, but you know I sometimes battle with that. Going, what if that was it? What if back then was the only time I you know I was able to dunk the ball once and then. But that now my it doesn't work sucks. with the way you live your life. Yeah. I mean the the. 37 or however old you were version of yourself would not be down with that. Right. I would think. Right. Um, and I think that I think that also getting that it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but that, you know, it took me a long time to realize that career was never going to be the thing. You know, that no external thing was going to be the thing that was going to bring me everything Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, the, um, the house I have here and stuff is all great, but like lately I've had fantasies of um, ditching it, buying a farm mm. in the Midwest on like 30 acres and being outside with my German Shepherds and just kind of scaling it down. Like, mm-hmm. would you be, or is it just you just searching for that thing? I think you're always searching. And always sort of wanting something that you don't have. For a thing, or thinking, you know, you know, like, oh, if I get this, this will replace this. Like, all I just, all I need is a new shirt, probably. Right. Once I get a new outfit, that's definitely, that's going to really change my life. And it does for that second you have it on. Yes. And then that shirt that you really needed to buy, you probably shouldn't have charged, is now in the bottom of your closet, and you're taking it to Goodwill a year later. So that still, if it served that purpose at that time. At that time. I think of that whenever I clean out my closet. Yeah. You know, it, it got me through. Yeah, uh, and I'm going through that phase. It's very, I think that's one of the toughest things. I'm, I've signed up for some program uh, where every day they send you an email of something you need to get rid of in your house. It's like 30 days mm-hmm. to minimum or something. So it'll be like your task You know, today would be one junk drawer in your kitchen. And, and you just break it down because cleaning out your house, it's too overwhelming. It's yes. too much. You're going to go, F it, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch TV. Mm-hmm. But when you go, all, I'm, all I want you to do today is go to that one drawer, dump it. Mm-hmm. Keep a couple mm-hmm. batteries, but everything else, you don't need. <laughs> those cords for those things that the, you throw those, away. Yeah, because eventually you realize life isn't about a drawer full of uh, old uh, cell phone chargers yes. that no longer work. Yes. So, yeah, so you go through step by step and, you know... It's hard, though. It, yes, it is. It is. But that's so metaphoric, too, for cleaning out these things that the things you're going to stop doing and the things you're going to start doing. Yeah, and also, program-wise, you know, staying sober for life is too overwhelming. Yes. It's too much. Yes. It's too much. One drawer. 
Absolutely. Home drawer. That's all you gotta worry about. <laughs> I need to. You need to forward me that. I want to yeah, get on the, that email. The, list. The, the junk drawer today. That's it. That's yeah. all. That's all you need to clean. Did you up. do it before you came over here, or was that not the one today? No, that wasn't the one. Like the one is like a, a. I think today's was like a sock thing or something. You know, but all little tedious things. But the whole goal is is over thirty days. Like, and he has pictures of. You know, people like take pictures of the junk drawer being mm-hmm. thrown away. Mm-hmm. So they, they just so uh, I think there's even a Facebook page where people do it. And you see, oh look at all that trash that person, and you start to visualize it, and then you do it. And then over the course of thirty days, you know. Well, and then it's the camaraderie that program gives because going through it with other people. Yeah, and then you see examples. And you see, you see examples and you see people that have done it successfully right because I remember when I would go on the the, the program somebody would would tell me you'll see like after a week or so you'll look at yourself in the mirror and you'll see how your eyes are clearer did you do that? and they're just like white you know like you have I never noticed that oh right yeah because you see people like first dayers or people get and you just you know they have that look on their face Mm -hmm. and then over time you see it, or you see somebody who's done it for, you know, I'm so-and-so, I've been so for 35 years, and you go, wow, 35 years, that guy? When you're trying to make it through the day. Yes. So it, it's good to see examples. Yes. But that, see, but that's going back to, I guess, the end of this, the beginning, is that's where I get conflicted, where you let, you, you know, there, there's good parts about it, but then there's other parts where you go, I don't, you know, I don't want to say you know booze 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 all day that that that's my like i said that's yeah. my internal and I, and conflict. i you are certainly not the only one yeah who, who like i wish there was an that. updated version I you know, know like I, yeah. you know i, I don't know I, you couldn't phys- really do that but i wish there's some committee that goes we're gonna here's here's a little bit you know we're gonna tweak the approach yeah, I mean, there are well, committees. Hey, with your, your convention I mean, popularity, you could head it. <laughs> um, but those committees are not interested in change, and I get that in a way, because it's working for a lot of people. Yeah. So, you know... It's so individual. I re- you know, I think everybody has a different experience. You know? Absolutely. Other people... But, I, but what's interesting is that I think a lot of people go... Um, they get angry about that. I'm not going to be an alcoholic my whole life. And they start to, you know, rail against the program and, and start websites about how evil the program is and all of that stuff. Whereas, you know, you can just do what you do, which is go, I don't believe that. Yeah. But, but, but there are some good points in, through this process that I will take up. And, I, you know, most of that, except for this, this show, I keep all of that to myself. Yes. Like, so, like, if, if I'm in a meeting, mm-hmm. I, I play by those rules. Yes. I'm, I'm not the douche that looks at somebody after day one and goes, you know what? Were you in seventh grade once? Like, I would never do that. <laughs> I would never, you know what I mean? Right. It's, yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah, I, I bet at the convention, you kind of chilled out on those opinions. I didn't say anything. I yes. Just did my stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you having me. I really appreciate your doing it. It's um, it's great, and I and I'm looking forward to our, our card game success. Yes, I know. Yeah, <laughs> aren't you? Okay, we're all good. What a nice, smart, interesting guy he was. Yeah, right. Did you learn some things? I did. I hope and imagine you really liked that. That was John Heffron. If you've got something to say about me, say it on iTunes. Make it nice. See you next time.